You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. Online dating has swept the nation over the past few years, but could true connections be a matter that's actually more primal? How do you know you've got the right companion for life? And what are the telltale signs to flee from a potential dating or marriage partner? We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show. We're joined by Angeline Hart, best-selling author, speaker, and relationship coach, and we'll discuss her breakthrough gorilla love system, where she says gorillas make great lovers, which is also the topic and title of her best-selling book. She and co-author Dixon Swank have identified 12 types of men and given each type an animal name based on his focus in life. And just as a teaser, I'll share my results on air with Angeline. So we'll get to dive into my animal type and what are my primal instincts. On this episode, we'll make a personal guarantee of no more Mr. Wrongs. So guys, tune in to learn about the different types of animal instinct. And ladies, tune in to assess your mate and decide whether to love him or leave him. Welcome, Angeline. I'm delighted to be here, Joey. You know, I'm actually looking forward to this episode because <laughs> I'm very big on this topic of relate relationships. And I think that with the statistics of couples ending in divorce and casual dating with online dating these days and the way our culture is going, I think the more info we can provide on how to make things work, I think it's the better. So... If you could tell us a little bit about your background as a relationship coach. Okay. First of all, I want to comment on what you just said, Joey, because the statistics are just awful, just awful. And I'm going to add a little bit to it. We've heard for a long time that we have more than 50% uh, divorce rate. And if people want to go to get some help, and so they go to a marriage counselor, the average success rate for going to a marriage counselor is only... 30 to 35% when we have a 50% divorce rate. So this is terrible. Yeah. There's one, there's one guy out there and I'm going to recommend it to all your people. This may be unusual for me to recommend somebody else, but I'm going to because <laughs> I recommend it to all my clients. And that is John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. And they can find his books on Amazon. They can read them. He has a 90% success rate. And I use a lot of his stuff in my program. I just have a different approach. I have a different perspective, a different way of working it. But for somebody who can't get to me for some reason, I recommend him in my book. I recommend him when I'm talking with clients. He's great. I have a DVD that talks about his system that I've had friends who watch my DVD and they say, wow, I understand it better now that I watched your DVD than I did when I read his book. But anyway. So you asked me my background as a relationship coach. People often ask me, when did I start relationship coaching? And Joy, the most honest answer really is when I was 16 and started dating. 
because what happened is, I mean, it sounds crazy, but what happened is I had an instinctual knowledge about how to find good guys. And my girlfriends would say to me, where'd you find him? How did you find him? And as soon as I break up with somebody, my girlfriends, I want to go out with them. (laughs) I mean, seriously, but my experience is all the way through my first marriage, and I married Mr. Wrong for me, but a really nice guy that my mother thought was the right one for me, Mm. learned a lot about what doesn't work. And actually, with what I know now, I think it's possible I could have made that work. But back then, we tried everything we could think of for 20 years. And divorced amicably, and we are still friends. In fact, he's one of my husband's good friends now. I went through the whole single mom with three kids at home, dating, trying to find another good guy that was right for me, met my man. We've now been married 25 years, and I'm telling you, really, truly, our marriage now is better than it was even when we first met. It, the skills that we have learned and developed together are what I share with my clients when I'm coaching. It's those skills that make the difference. It's, and throughout that whole time, people kept asking me, well, how did you find this good guy? Well, well what are you making work? And, and I, I'll give you a, a little story, Joey. One of my girlfriends who'd been married and divorced and was very attractive and dated a lot and kept finding the wrong guys, she said to me, Angelina, I need your help. I just don't know, you know, what to do. And I said, okay, well, I'll help you. And so we went out to a singles bar and I said, look around this room, you know, it's dim in there, but look around this room and tell me, who are you attracted to? So she looks around and finally she points out this guy who's at least 20 feet away. And I literally physically recoiled. <laughs> and I said, I can tell he's trouble from here. And she's looking at him, squinting and going, what do you see? That's where my gorilla love system started. Because I started trying to find a way to explain, how do you recognize a good man? How do you recognize the man who's right for you? And it was only at that moment that I realized other people didn't have the vision that I had to be able to see different types of men. And so I started trying to find a way to explain to her, well, let's see. You want to look for someone who treats you well, and you want to look for someone who is respectful, and you want to look for someone who's cuddly and loving. And what came to my mind was my dad. And I realized I was describing my father. And I thought, well, I can't just say to women, now you want a man like my father. And the image of a gorilla came into my mind. And I thought, well, it's kind of like a gorilla. They're very physical. They're very tactile. They're very family-oriented and protective. And they're, you know, I started describing these, these different qualities of a basic good man. And for some reason, this whole idea of using animal names really works for women because it gets them out of the emotional or some people might say chemistry, reaction that we have to the whole idea of dating. I'll give you another example of of how that shift happens. I was working with a male client yesterday because I worked with both men and women. And he had this particular woman that he was interested in. And he told me, you know, I, I think she's probably the one for me. And then he gave me some reasons why and some reasons why not. And 
And his friends kept telling him, no, 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 this is not the right woman for you. And he said, what should I do? And I said, okay, we've got a quiz here. And for men, we personally create a quiz to help them rate women. There is no quiz that I have for women, about women. So I said, let's go through your quiz. And I had assigned him the week before to use that quiz and rate 10 different women because he does online dating. I said, just rate him on this. We're going to look at this. But he didn't do it because he felt like, well, I can tell what I want in a woman, which is that mistake that we think because we judge on the surface and everything. So we went through and we did the quiz. Now, I'd already worked with him on this quiz enough to know that a woman needed to score 30 or better at a minimum on his quiz to be a potential good partner for him based on what he wants, what he really wants in a woman. And so we, we went through and we did the quiz on this woman and she came out in the twenties. And I said to him, she's not the right woman for you. For the first time he was able to look objectively, not just by her appearance, which is included in the quiz though, but not just by appearance or not just by chemistry or not just by women put an illusion of the man that they hope this guy's going to turn out to be. They put that on top of the guy they're actually seeing, and therefore they don't really see him. For the first time, he could see, oh, objectively, you're right. She's not right for me. She doesn't measure up to what I want. Well, this same process works for women about men, because they start out saying, when I ask them, well, what do you want in a man? And they'll say, well, good looking, of course. Everybody wants a good looking partner. And I want him to be earn a good living, and I want him to be nice to me, and I, and I want him to like the things that I like. He needs to golf, and he needs to want to walk on the beach holding hands, and, you know, all these kinds of things that aren't about who you really want. You think it is, but women don't know how to recognize what they really want. I'll give you another story, another example. And Joey, you can interrupt me here anytime you want to. These stories are good. (laughs) Okay. So a young woman came to me. She's in her early 30s. Very attractive. Professional, worked in a financial arena. And she said, I just, I I mean, I go out with these guys and they're, you know, they're good looking and they're nice and they have a great car and and all this. And then, you know, within a couple of months, I'm just bored. I just, I just, and I just can't find the right kind of guy. And I said, okay, by that time I had created my quiz. I said, go take the quiz and come back and tell me, what is it you really want? She called me the next day and she goes, monkeys, it's monkeys that I want. (laughs) Well, monkeys are the adrenaline junkies. They're the ones that want to jump out of helicopters and ski down the mountain. And they want to, you know, hike backpack through the Amazon and they want to drive race cars and all of that stuff. And I said, okay, so you want the adrenaline junkies and you've been dating bankers. No wonder you get bored. (laughs) So when I work with a woman, we talk about after she takes the quiz, because there's a quiz that that all of your listeners can take for free on my website. We'll give them that information later. And it will tell her what her ideal manimal, because that's the group of different animal types that I have, what her ideal manimal is. So women take that quiz. And when I'm coaching with someone, we go another step beyond that. And we talk about, okay, so now you've identified that it's monkeys that are are your favorite. That's the type that is the juice for you. Where are you going to find them? How are you going to recognize them? And we go through a whole process instead of just looking at online dating, which is mostly surface stuff. Instead of just that, where can you find them and get out of the meat market that a lot of those online dating 
things are. So, for instance, here's another client that I was working with the other day, another woman, and this woman is, let's see, she's in her early 50s. She's been married twice. She's had disastrous relationships and pretty much had decided, I don't need a man. I don't want a man. Let me focus on my career. I don't need a project to work on. I can take care of myself, you know, all, all that kind of thing. And when I hear that from women, here's what I know. On the surface, they have decided it's too painful. It's too difficult. And maybe there are no good men left. Maybe they are just all jerks out there. And when I talk with them for a little while and I tell them, I absolutely guarantee you there are good men out there. And not only that, there are good men who are uniquely right for you out there. And then they have a little glimmer of hope because in their heart of hearts, every woman and every man, for that matter, yearns for someone to really love them. Everybody yearns for that. But they've gone through so much pain, they're thinking it's not worth it, and I don't believe it's really out there. So anyway, this woman, she's my client. We went through this process, identifying what the mix is that she wants. And then I assign my clients and I say, okay, you need to start learning how to recognize what you want. Because here's what happens out there. You hear about a woman who's married to an alcoholic. And she's married to him for, you know, quite a few years. And she tries to shape him up and she tries to get everything to work. And it just doesn't. So she divorces him. And she says, I'm never doing that again. And she finds a new man and he's a good man and all this kind of stuff. And she marries him. And it's another alcoholic. And you think, what is the matter with this woman? Why doesn't she choose better? Well, she wanted to choose better. But here's the thing. We go to what's familiar. Subconsciously, we go to what's familiar. There's a a little part of our brain, I think it's called the amygdala, that filters. And it looks for what's familiar. And that's what we're comfortable with. And I'll give you an example of that, too. And I'm going to come back to this woman still. I didn't forget about her. In about a year ago, my husband bought a car. He bought a Prius. It's the Southern California iconic car. For any of those who are not aware of this, I live in San Diego. And that that Prius, that that is the Southern California iconic car. Prius is Southern Cal and Tesla is a Bay Area vehicle. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. So he bought a Prius. Before he bought this Prius, I could not have identified one among all the cars on the freeway. I didn't know what they look like. Now that we've had one for a little more than a year, I can recognize the Prius three lanes away as it's passing beyond another car and all I see is the tail end of it. That's so true. Yeah, it's now familiar to me. I am comfortable with and can recognize it. So here's what happens with people. If you go to a party, we'll say it's a cocktail party, and there's 50 people there, and you don't know any of them, subconsciously, without you doing it on purpose, you are going to be drawn to the people, the type of people that are familiar to you. So if we gave a real obvious surface visual example, if Joey, you had a purple mohawk and you know five earrings and tattoos and all of that, you're going to be drawn to the group that's into mohawks and purple hair and tattoos. But that's a visual that you can see on the surface. A little bit deeper would be what are people talking about? My husband might be drawn to the group that's talking about football. Did you hear? Did you get to see the Super Bowl? Did you, you know, whatever. He's going to be drawn to that. I might be drawn to a group that's talking about gardening. But on a deeper level than that, 
we are drawn to the energy, the vibe, the aura, whatever you want to call it out there, that is familiar because that's where we feel comfortable. And if a woman in her background has had numerous negative experiences with men, maybe her dad was over-controlling, maybe he was brutal in some way, maybe he abused her in some way, and maybe the next guys that she dated were the same kind, or maybe she had a decent dad, but when she started dating, she started dating the wrong kind of guys, and she imprinted on a pattern that is now familiar. It's subconscious, and she will keep finding the wrong kind of guy. So back to my client who's in her 50s and has had all these bad experiences, including, I'm going to say a bad father. Uh, I'm going to say a bad father and several numerous bad experiences and relationships and marriages. And now she's supposed to go out there and find a different kind of guy that feels unfamiliar, that isn't something she's used to. And I give them an assignment. And the assignment is, I want you to take the list of the 12 different animal types Put it on a piece of paper in your hand. Go sit at the mall. And I want you to watch every single man that walks by. And do your best. Use your instincts and identify them. Is that one an owl? Is that one a monkey? Is that one a rhino? Maybe this one is a panther. What do you think? And when I'm coaching with women, I have a whole series of pictures of different male celebrities. And we walk through talking about how do you recognize these different types? So this woman, my client, in her 50s with all this bad experience in the background, she said, well, I can't go to the mall. I'm getting ready. I'm going on a trip. And I said, fine, you're going to be sitting in an airport. There's tons of guys there. Start watching them. So the next day when she's at the airport, I get a text from her. I just saw a gorilla walk by. <laughs> oh, and here's an owl. I texted her back and I said, okay, I hear what you said. What did you see that makes you think that's the type that they are? And she starts describing it to me. She said, well, the gorilla was literally sitting on the floor playing with his child while they waited for their plane. The owl had on glasses. He totally looked like a computer nerd. He was sitting working on his computer. And then she starts sending me, oh, and here's a this, and here's a that, and here's a this. And finally she sends me, a picture in text and she goes and here's the wolf and he's leading the workshop I'm at <laughs> <laughs> so she's starting to recognize and she's realizing there are all these different types out there it isn't just go to the online dating and try to find someone I like there are plenty of men and then when you add to it another layer which is within each of 10 of the 12 types of men, there is a potential for positive or negative, depending on their emotional maturity. And so I have another quiz for emotional maturity. Because let me give you an example. Let's say, I used to use Trump as my example. I can't anymore now that he's president. So let me see who else I can choose. Okay, I'm going to choose Bill Gates. Bill Gates, I'll say to women, which of these 10 types do you think he is? And some of them will say, well, owl, he's very intellectual. He's definitely a computer nerd. Mm -hmm. And some of the, as compared to, for instance, Steve Jobs. Now, Steve Jobs is a computer guy, 
but he's not a computer nerd. There in his sleek-looking black turtlenecks and slacks and all of that, that he's got some panther energy in there, which we can talk about that later too. But so, okay, so Bill Gates definitely has some out, some, some of that computer nerd intellectual type in him. He also has some shark. He's a moneymaker. He's focused on being able to, you know, build a truly big business, and he's very competitive about it. You know, if, when other challenges come up, Microsoft works hard to be able to make sure they're on top. So he's definitely got some shark energy. He's also, certainly in his later life now, he shows some lion energy. The lions are the guys who want to improve the world. They want to donate their time, their resources to being able to improve the world. So they do things like go and volunteer at Habitat for Humanity, or they make large donations to their church, or things like Bill Gates does. He's got huge philanthropic work that he does to help the world. So he's got those three qualities. And I'll say, okay, so those are his three leading qualities. Now, if we were to talk about Bill Gates and emotional maturity, and we said that someone who's on the low end of the scale, who's emotionally immature, who's childish, is like a two- or a three-year-old child. If you picture them, they want what they want, and they want it now, or they're going to scream and throw a fit. They don't want to share. It's my toy, and they grab it from other people. They don't want to listen to you when you say, well, share with this little child. This other one wants it. They don't want to listen. It's all about me, 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 me. So that's emotionally immature. On the other end of the scale, and there, there is a quiz on my website that women can take about any man, and they can take the quizzes as many times as they want for free on the air. Let's give that website now for those that are tuning in. Okay. It's really easy. Gorillalove.com. That's it. And my whole program is Gorilla Love. So gorillalove.com, they can go there. There's on the menu bar, it says the quizzes. They can just click on that and they'll see the four different types of quizzes. Yeah, there is the gorilla quiz, the guy's gorilla quiz, the maturity quiz, and then the ideal man quiz. Right. And I'll, I'll explain all four of those in their purpose. On the maturity quiz, when you take it, you'll be rating him and it'll say whether he's on the emotionally immature, all about me, I want it what I want and I want it now. It doesn't matter what other people feel or think versus is he emotionally mature? Does he listen, truly listen to other people? Can he have empathy for other people? Can he share? And then I'll say, okay, so Bill Gates, where do you think he is on this scale? Do you think he's on the immature or the emotionally mature side? And I'll ask you, Joy, what do you think he is? I think because of his longevity in business and the types of things that he pursues as far as helping make the world a better place. I think he's higher on the maturity list. I agree with you totally. And when someone takes, a woman will say, or a man about themselves, I'm going to recommend that you take it about yourself, Joy. When you take the maturity quiz, if you score 50 or below, you need to work on yourself. You need to be at least above that. So when a woman takes, first of all, the ideal man quiz, which is one of the ones you just mentioned, she's going to come out with a profile. It doesn't just say, oh, her type is panther, which happens to be my husband. But it's not going to say just panther. It's going to actually give her a score for each of the 12 different types. And so it may say, for instance, that he gets, and there's a maximum score of 15 in any one of the categories. 
So let's say he gets a 14 in Panther and he gets his next highest score is a 12 in Lion and his next highest score is 11 in Monkey. So she now has the top three scores and, and usually I look at the top three unless there's a big difference. If somebody is a, a 14 in Gorilla, we'll say, and the next highest score is below 10, then we're just really looking for a gorilla. But when it, most people will have three scores above 10, and it's the above 10 that really matter. That's my profile. When we get to, I've got three here that are above 10, and they're okay, sure, pretty sure, close. Sure, tell us, tell us what they are, and I'll tell you about yourself. All right, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> full exposure here for the uh, Business Life and Coffee there audience. There we go. So when I started out, I, I said, you know, the topic of the book is gorillas make great lovers. And I thought about, well, what qualities do I think a gorilla has? And I said, I'm a gorilla. I think I'm a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Every man thinks that because it says, the topic of the book says gorillas make great lovers. Yeah. It doesn't say that gorillas are the only great lovers. Yeah. And in fact, depending on the woman, some woman may much prefer a shark. Yeah. That may be her best lover. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, so, go, go for it. What I didn't realize, though, is that there are other, I didn't take a look at the other types of animals. And in completing okay. the quiz, I scored first as an owl, 13. Okay. Which I okay. agree with, you know, I have no, uh, no questions there. Gorilla came in second at 11. And I'll tell you why okay. that was the why that one didn't score first, and then I okay. had a ten in the lion. Oh, okay. So owl, gorilla, lion, uh, just a mashup of animals there. And the reason why I didn't score higher on gorilla was because there was a question about your occupation, and I'm not the hands-on worker. I, right. You know, right. business owner. When it comes to home repairs, if I can't if I can't find a YouTube video that can teach me how to do it, then I'm, call, <laughs> I'm calling in the professional. So that that knocked me down under the gorilla. But there were other gorilla qualities that made sense for me. I'm here to tell you that that mix of owl, gorilla, and lion is a very juicy mix that a yeah. lot of women are looking for. <laughs> I am I was surprised because for me, gorillas are my favorite. Okay. And now I'm married to a panther. We can talk about that in a minute if you want to. Uh-huh. But I'm surprised at how often owls come up as the number one type that women want. I mean, it's really, really often. Women want a man that they can talk to that can intellectually converse about different subjects that are a thinking man who reads books and is open to different ideas. That's a really, I was really surprised over time at how many women that's their highest choice. Well, you know, that's one of the questions that I have on my list here is women sometimes feel as though they can't find good men. But when I was younger, there's the whole concept of women like bad boys. So how do we reconcile, you know, women ultimately wanting good men? What is it about bad boys? And... You had mentioned earlier in, in one of your examples is that, you know, it wasn't that the good men were hiding. It's just that the, the woman didn't necessarily know how to spot them. So right. let's, let's talk about that. Of course, I want to hear more about, you know, my, my makeup and your thoughts there. But 
for the women that feel as though they can't find the type of man that they're looking for, what do you say? Okay, so let's talk about bad boys for a minute because you yeah. brought that up. And that term, I'm going to define it a little bit for you, but I think that means. How's that? Let's so do it. I think, I think bad boys mean exciting, which could be a little bit of monkey, somebody who's willing to take a risk, that guy on the Harley. It also could mean sexy, someone who is willing to show and display and entice using seductive means. So then we're talking about the wolf, which can be very enticing and very exciting. So I think that that bad boys is a label that could actually apply to, to some degree to several different types. And my experience is that women, especially in the past when they were a little more suppressed and not so free as they are now, they really wanted to break out of those limits. And to have a guy who is showing that rebellious side that I'm not going to be held back, the James Dean type who's going to go out there and lead this exciting life, that looked really good. What I found since then is they were interested in that bad boy as long as he had a heart of gold. If he was a bad boy who was mean, they didn't like that. Unless that's their pattern, the one that they're familiar with. Then they'll keep picking the mean guys, even though they don't like it. Oh, I have a really cute story to tell. My mother was a psychologist, and she worked with a program that had an open group every Wednesday night, we'll say. And this was a benefit that was given to the community at large. And anyone could show up for this, essentially, group therapy. On every Wednesday night, anybody anybody could come, and they'd all have 10 to maybe as many as 45 people on any, any Wednesday night. Well, this one night, this biker couple came in, and as part of the group process that my mother was leading them through, each person was to talk about something that they wanted different from their partner, whether that partner was there or not. Well, it happened that both halves of this biker couple were there and when it came to the woman and my mother asked her what would you like to ask of your partner and she turned to him and she said I wish you would quit hitting me and he looked at her with surprise and said really and she said yeah I don't like it when you hit me and he said but everybody hits everybody because that was his world and she said but I don't like it I wish you wouldn't do it. And he said, okay. It had never occurred to him to treat her differently until she asked. We get caught up in patterns that are familiar. We perpetuate patterns onto the next generation that are familiar. We need to be able to break out of those patterns and go for what we really want, which is what that biker woman did when she turned to him and said, I wish you wouldn't hit me anymore. Wow. I know. That's really, you know, it's a pause for cause right there. That ties into a portion of your book where you talk about communication 
and why people yeah. why people don't really talk about what they really want. Yes. What holds people back yes. in sharing their truth? Okay, good question. Good question. So you think, why the heck the first guy, time this guy hit her, why didn't she say, don't hit me? I don't like that. Don't hit me again. Why has it gone on and she didn't say anything? When we're growing up, most of us get, well, all of us, all of us get trained, trained to fit in with the model that our parents want. And we either get trained to rebel against it or trained to follow along with it. But we, re- we receive that training. And what that training is about more than anything else is boundaries. What, in what ways are we allowed to speak up for ourselves? In what ways are we allowed to differentiate from our parents? In what ways are we allowed to say, this is me, this is who I want to be, this is how I want to be treated? All of those are boundary issues, and we learn them in our families as we're growing up. And for those women, which since we've got mostly dysfunctional families out there, an awful lot of dysfunctional families, then most women were and men were raised to learn dysfunctional boundaries. So, for instance, this woman, the biker woman, may have never learned that it was okay to ask for what she wanted because maybe when she was three years old and she said, Daddy, I don't want to wear those jeans. I want to wear this pink dress. Maybe he said, shut up and do what I tell you to do. Or maybe her mother told her that. And so along the way, she learned it's not okay to ask for what you want, especially if he said shut up and then hit her. Then she learned not to be able to ask for what she wants. And so as we become, we do what we do as children in survival. We do what we have to do to survive. So she learned, we'll say, as a child to be quiet and to not say anything when she got hit. As an adult, we get to change and choose new patterns and new ideas of who we want to be and how we want to be treated. But we don't have a process that helps us go through thinking about, hmm, I didn't like being hit as a kid. I don't like it now. Do I have a right to speak up and say I don't like that? I literally have women when I'm coaching with them and they'll tell me something that they want and I'll say, you can ask for that. And they'll go, really? Hmm. They don't realize that they can say they want something different. Talked with a, a woman a couple of days ago, lovely, lovely woman. She's in a, a relationship with a man who she thinks maybe is her real possibility. He fits all the things that she said she wanted. And they have hit a rough spot where they have a disagreement. And in our coaching session, I talked with her and I said, what I suggest that you do is make an outline of what it is you really want. And then you need to sit down and diplomatically, not in demanding, critical, blameful ways, you need to say, this is what I want. This is how I would like it to go. And she goes, really? It's okay to do that? She had an over-controlling father. And she hadn't learned, and she's in her 40s now, she hadn't learned that it's okay to ask for what you want. The only way that she had learned is to have a screaming hissy fit, blame the guy and throw him out. That was the pattern she had learned. And she wants to not do that with this new man. She wants to work to be able to have a peaceful, long-term, not short-term relationship. So she's learning new communication skills. So being good in a relationship actually requires 
what we call in the professional world, I guess, continuing education. You've got to, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you've got to be up, upgrading yourself throughout life so that you can be better in your relationship for your partner and for yourself. Yes, and that's a perfect segue for me to say I've written about all of that. My process is all in my book. If you go to Amazon, you can order my book. I think it's eleven ninety seven. Or since you're on this call, you're going to know something different. And that is if you go to my website, at the top of it, there's a place where you can click to order my book directly through me and save several dollars as an option for you. Now, once you've read the book, as you have, Joey, you've read most of it, you have a lot of information that you can work with. But I'm going to add an, an extra step to that. That's great to have that information. It'll be very helpful. And some people are really good at DIY, do it yourself. And so the book is going to be all they need and they can move forward and be able to take the steps they want to. They can use the book as a reference and go back to it and go, let's see now, she had this particular skill that she talked about in communication for being able to deal with conflict. Okay, let me read through that. Okay, and here's some information about how to set up a safe, emotionally open environment to be able to talk about things. Oh, okay, and here's some information. You know, all of that is a great reference book. But if you imagine yourself and you want to become an Olympic gymnast, you can get a book and you can read about being an Olympic gymnast, and it probably isn't going to get you there. Reading the book is a great first step. Having a personal coach is going to make the difference to get you there. And that's why I offer my time as a coach, is my mission in life is to improve the world one relationship at a time. I believe that relationships are the foundational piece in life. That's what everything else comes from. If we had all happy, loving, peaceful relationships, there would be no more war. There would be no more abused children. There would be no more abused women. There would be no more abused, disrespected men. So my goal, and that's why I'm a coach, is to improve the world one relationship at a time. I want that so bad. Now, there's dating relationships, and much of what we see in the movies, much of what we get in marketing, paints this picture of marriage being the ultimate goal and married people being happy. There's a chapter or a section in your book about married men being happy. And what are your thoughts? Are married men happier than single men or dating and committed men? Okay, good question. The ongoing myth out there is that men would rather be out there and be free and not tied to one woman and have all the sexual partners they want and not have to answer to anybody and not have to support someone financially and not have to deal with kids. There's that myth out there. And there's the equal myth out there that says women are all just trying to tie some man down, trying to get him to be the provider, trying to hook him up to that ball and chain. So interesting to me that both of those are false. In reality, there have been a number of studies that show that men are actually happier when they're married. Now, it may not be 21-year-old men, it may be that it's, you know, by the time they get to their 30s, they're actually happier, settled down with one woman. And on the other side, women 
and especially as older women, like in their 30s, 40s, and stuff, are happier single. And when when you look at remarriage rates, men remarry after a divorce much faster than women do, almost twice as fast as women do. And when I was a single mom, I mentioned that for four years I was a single mom in between my two marriages, and I was out, I like to go dancing, so I went dancing every weekend, and I'd meet different women out there. Invariably, they would tell me, "I'm never going to marry again. I don't want another man." And they've had all these bad experiences. They just want someone to have some fun with. They want a friend with benefits, that kind of thing. But they don't want to get into a long-term relationship again because their experience was bad. Mm-hmm. They had, and, that and so they're thinking that all all the futures will be like that. It was that pain that you you referenced earlier in our in our yeah. chat today. Yeah. 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 Yes. Well, women in the past, I think it's changing, but women in the past have tended to automatically, when they're in a relationship, to assume a suppressed role, to assume that they are second in the marriage, that he gets to be the boss, he gets to say what he wants, especially if he's making more money or most of the money, that he's the boss and they haven't spoken up for what they really wanted within the relationship. In in my relationship with my husband, we are equals. We are partners. Our goal is to help ourselves become a better person and to support our partner to become the person that they want to become. We work to help each other. We talk over things. We we have our disagreements. We have, you know, things that we bump into and we go, I don't know about this or that or whatever. And But we talk about it. We talk about it respectfully. We talk about it in a win-win way, which I mention in my book a lot. We want both of us to come away happy. If we really believe that if one of us loses, so that it's a win-lose relationship, the relationship suffers. You cannot have one person unhappy and unfulfilled and resentful and have a good relationship. Both need to be invested. You both need to be willing to put in the work to make it happy for both of you. So let's bring this conversation full circle as we as we okay. land the plane here. And the purpose of the book, Gorillas Make Great Lovers, the tagline is, everyone says you're a great catch, so where's the great guy who's supposed to catch you? Right. Which is an awesome right. tagline, by the way. <laughs> so a person's going to go through, either a guy is going to take the test or a woman is going to identify her, her manimal type. What is the next step that they should be taking? Is it just to be aware of their surroundings? Should women make the first move when they see their manimal? What are your, what are your thoughts to this time next year have more people in committed, loving, manimal relationships? Okay, great question, great question. So let me walk through the quizzes for just a second first. So a woman has three quizzes that I recommend for her to take. The first quiz is the ideal man. So she's going to take that. She's going to find out who her ideal man is. The second quiz is the gorilla quiz, the basic quiz that's out there. And that one she can take about any other man in her life. So, for instance, maybe she takes the ideal man quiz and she finds out what she prefers is an owl. She then takes the gorilla quiz about her dad and about her ex-husband and about her current boyfriend and whatever. And she compares that to 
her ideal man, are they matching up or not? So it's, it's a benchmark reference for her to use. The third quiz she then takes is the maturity quiz about all those different men because she's looking for, am I consistently choosing immature men? And are the men that I'm now moving forward to, are they mature? Oh, and here's another question, I, another point I need to ask. Women sometimes ask me, well, I'm not sure that I'm answering it right. I'm, I'm not sure if he's this way or that way. She needs to go answer questions based on her own instincts, on her own perception, because that's the way she will relate to him. Two different women could take the same quiz about the same man and come out with a different score. For instance, your wife might, I don't know if you're married, we'll say, we'll say your wife takes the quiz about you and she actually thinks your highest score is gorilla, not owl. Your mother takes the quiz about you and she thinks your highest score is lion, that you're such a great guy out there trying to improve the world. So, and you took it about yourself and said, you see yourself the highest as owl. So it's based on perception because you will relate to that man based on your perception. So women's answers are always right. So she has three quizzes she can take. By the way, that's one of John Gottman's things <laughs> is you can, you can tell the evolution of a relationship by whether or not the man is able to acknowledge that his wife is right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, truly, that's one of his majors. So anyway, the men can take two quizzes. They take the guy's gorilla quiz to self-identify which manimal type they are and then take the maturity quiz. And when they take the maturity quiz, if they score below 50, I would recommend they go back through, they look at the different questions where they scored low and ask themselves, how can I improve? Ah, uh, okay. How can... How can I move away from being self-centered, narcissistic, those kinds of things, and be more open, more loving, more accepting, more willing to listen, more willing to have empathy, more willing to share? So he can work on himself that way. The number one complaint that I get from women when they're talking about can't find any good men is that so many men seem immature. They seem self-focused. They seem it's all about me. So anyway, so then you said, what's the next step after you take the quizzes, right? Yeah, how do we get people connected? Okay, so once the women have taken the quiz and they start then looking for the man that they want and trying to teach themselves to recognize different kinds of men and recognize the maturity level, because you can read that on people. You'll get to the point. This woman that I told you at the airport was texting me She after she'd been doing this and having fun with it for more than an hour, she said, you know what? Owls stand differently. And I said, yes, they do. And actually, when you become aware of it, all the different animal types have their own way of standing. You can literally recognize them from the back when you really get into this. And you can recognize it in little children. I can see a two-year-old little boy, and my husband and I laugh about this because we sometimes work in the nursery at church, and we'll go, oh, my goodness, look at that little kid. Total gorilla action there. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you start seeing it everywhere. So anyway, so their next step after they start working at trying to recognize what have they had in the past, what do they actually want in the future, and how to change their patterns. And when women do my program, they literally have a paradigm shift in their mind about how they see men. So I would say the next step, if they are really motivated, they've had enough of this, they really want to change, and they want it now, is to contact me and say, okay, talk to me about your different coaching program. I, this is what I need. I know it's what I want. Get me in. If they're not quite ready, they want to take a little time, they maybe are limited financially, read the book. 
study the book. Use the book. I've had so many people tell me, I cannot believe the amount of wisdom in that book. It's written simple. It's just a chat with you type style, the way that it's written. It's not heavy, deep, and real, full of cycle babble. It's easy to read. It's got straight on advice. And then start really looking out there. Go, go read some of John Gottman's stuff. Order my DVD. It's available on my website. It's only $37. It's got great advice about the four main behaviors that make or break relationships. If you are on Facebook, I have a Facebook group. It's called Mastering the Art of Relationships. Request to be my friend and to sign up for my group. I'd be happy to have you in it. There's advice that shows up there. Excellent. Excellent. So make sure you all that are listening go to the website, which is gorillalove.com. Take the test, read the blog, get the book. And for those that are listening, we're going to give, are we going to do the free downloads for? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do it. All right, so for the first five people that send Angelina an email with a statement about your greatest relationship challenge, you'll get a free copy of the book. Yes. So make yes. sure that you, and what's your email address for those that are listening? Angelina at gorillalove.com. And if you just put in the subject line, my greatest relationship challenge, then I'll know that they were a listener on your show, Joey. And then I'll know to be able to send them that free download. So we want to get people in happy relationships, successful relationships yeah. with their manimal type. Guys, if you need to step it up and your girl's looking for a, a shark, but you're a panda, I think the test will show you what you need to do and the book will show you what you need to do. And, and ladies out there, don't be afraid to ask for what you want because there are a lot of manimals out there. And if you're with a wolf and you want to you want a monkey, then by all means, you know, just find out how to spot them. Can I, may I have a story for that? Do you have time for a story? Yes. And I want to talk about the crab and rat as well. And your. Oh, yes, we should. We should. We should. I'll tell you a story first that has to do with if you're looking for a monkey, but what you've got is a panda or whatever. So after I did a presentation, because I do speaking presentations, and this was to a women's group, and I recommended that, the, and you can take these quizzes on the phone. So after the presentation, this woman had taken the ideal man quiz, and what she wanted was an owl. Like I said, Joey, a lot of women out there want owls. Mm-hmm. And then she took it about her husband, and she came to me, and she said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I said, okay, so tell me your issue. And she said, okay, I took what I want as an owl. I took it about my husband, whom I love and want to stay with. And he has no owl. What am I supposed to do? And I said, okay, so if we were to go with what the popular media out there would tell you, they would say, well, honey, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but obviously he's not your soulmate. So really, if you want true long-term happiness, you should find somebody else. Well, I think that's a bunch of baloney. So I said to her, if you had said he had some owl, then we could talk about how to increase that. You would like more, you know, intellectual stimulation in your relationship. We could talk about, you know, how to help him work on that to build that part of his aspect. But since you said he has none of that, I'm going to suggest that you don't beat your head or his head against the wall trying to make him into something that he is not. And instead, recognize that it's pretty near impossible to get everything you want from one other person. 
that's what the media, those romance novels and, and movies and stuff, they want to say to you, oh, you find this one ideal soulmate partner and they provide everything that you need in life. Well, it's just not reality. So you have a man that you love who has some qualities that you really like. He just doesn't happen to have your favorite quality, which is L. So in that case, you can add it by go sign up for a, a class at the local college. Get a girlfriend and sign up for a lecture series. Join a book club. Do something to be able to add the intellectual stimulation that you want without expecting him to provide it for you. Yeah, finding. And that's why you know, I think people, people try to make their spouse their entire world, but that's not the yeah. case. You've, you've got to have some other, some other friends and relationships that, that you can have. Yeah, if you're single and you're looking, and like the girl who wants the monkeys, she can look for a monkey as a primary quality. If you're already in a committed relationship, see if there's a way you can make that work. Yeah. Now, and the last thing here, as I was taking the test, there was a portion that said you want to look at the qualities of your mate and be on the lookout for crab and rat tendencies. Now, okay. not to... Yeah, it says the highest toll is your man's main animal aspect. Be sure to also take a look at his scores in rat and crab. Right. Why are rat and crab so important to, to be aware of? Excellent question, and I'm really glad you brought that up. So rat and crab are not real mammals. They are defense mechanisms. They're survival mechanisms that this man learned when he was young. And so they cover over the real manimal. So for instance, crab. Crab is a man who has learned to defend himself, which means keep people at a distance, by being critical. He finds flaws. You know, you say to him, honey, what do you think of this dress? And he says, well, it makes your butt look fat. He could have said that same sentiment by saying, I think you have other dresses that are more flattering. But a crab will say it negatively in a critical way because it protects his own vulnerable insides, his own vulnerability, his own heart, by keeping people at a distance. He probably learned it as a child from parents who were critical, who always found flaws. My first husband, one of his challenges with me is that he had learned this crab pattern. His, he built, my, my ex-husband has very good ability to be able to build different things. He's definitely got that gorilla quality of a hands-on. And he built a playhouse, a raised playhouse over a sandbox for my children when they were little. And this playhouse was so beautiful. It literally had sliding glass windows. It had a sunroof section in it. It had a staircase that went up with turned spindles up the staircase. It was beautiful. It was so pretty that when people could see into our backyard, they would come and ask for the floor plans for it. It was that beautiful. When his father, who is who he learned how to be a crab from, when his father came to visit us, my husband said, come look at, you know, what I built. His father walked all around this beautiful miniature house and said, well, the supports you've got on it are done wrong. That was his comment. He didn't say, gee, it's beautiful. You might want to improve the supports. He just went for the negative. My husband, my former husband, learned that pattern, unfortunately. 
I, I mentioned a story in the book where the first time we bought a house, I decorated the guest bathroom and put wallpaper in it that had a large print. Difficult to match a large print. And my husband, who was a good man, and I could have saved the relationship if I had understood this very principle that crab is just a surface. It's just a protectant. I could have been able to change that. I could have worked with that. He walked through the bathroom when I said, come and see, come and see. I'm so proud of it. Walked around, looked at the whole thing and said, oh, I see where it doesn't match, where you ended up above the door. He didn't say, gee, it looks beautiful in here. What an improvement and how clever you were to put the match above the door, the least likely place to be seen. None of that because he'd learned this negative pattern. My oldest daughter married a crab. He was negative. They've been married 24 years now. They have a loving, sweet relationship now. She put up with H-E double toothpicks for years as the two of them worked on being able to change his behavior. He made a commitment before they're married that he understood he was being negative and wanted to change. He worked at it really hard. It's a difficult pattern because it leaves you vulnerable. When you let go of being a crab, what showed up under his crab protective armor? Panda. He's a playful guy. Exactly what my serious eldest daughter needs, a playful panda. On the other hand, the rat is not about being critical. He's about being blameful. It doesn't take accountability for his own behavior. Probably when he was in third grade and he brought home a negative report card, he said something to his mother like, well, the teacher just doesn't like me. Because in his family, he wasn't allowed to make mistakes and it'd be okay for him to learn and improve next time. Instead, he had to find someone or something else to blame. His only way to protect himself, his only way to protect his vulnerability was to blame someone else. So as an adult, when he loses a job, it's, well, that guy's just a bigot. That's why he fired me. Or some way to not take accountability because it was too painful. He wasn't allowed to grow, to be able to make mistakes and progress. And so he justifies himself constantly. And that pattern, that blaming, justifying, defensive pattern is really hard to change. It takes huge courage to be able to let go of that because if you do as a man or a woman, there are women who play this victim role too. If you do, if you take responsibility for yourself, all of a sudden you have to be able to take a position that says, I'm responsible for the negative things that's happened in my life. To some degree, I brought this on myself. It's within my power to make changes. It's a very empowering change to acknowledge that, but it's painful. And so if you're married to or in a relationship with a crab or a rat, be patient, be understanding. They've got all this pain underneath there that very vulnerable for them. But at the same time, it's important that you hold your own boundaries about how you're treated and how they behave to you. For example, to my first husband, I could have said, okay, honey, so you found the one flaw in this. Now I want to hear from you. Doesn't it look beautiful? Aren't you proud of me? Give me the positives along with the negative, and next time could you give me the positives first? So that would be working with him, with his limitation that he has, and still standing up for my boundaries. Does that make sense? It does. It does, absolutely. Well, this has been a great, great, great conversation. 
I feel like people have been on your website and checking out the animals and taking the test as, as we've been talking. So I want to give, give people the opportunity to do that. If they have not, make sure you go to the website, which is gorillalove.com. That's G-O-R-I-L-L-A-L-O-V-E.com. We'll post it in the show notes. And Angeline, thanks for joining us today. We'll have to have you back so we can talk about the maturity test and anything else that, that comes back in, in those emails. Joey, it's my pleasure to be on your show. You're a great interviewer. By the way, I really enjoyed it. Oh, oh, I've enjoyed having you again. We'll have to have you back. Okay, I look forward to it. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at JoeyVPriceHR with the hashtag BLCMoments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.BusinessLifeAndCoffee.com and our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.